we think that the traditions that our family grew up with are the norm that that this is just what everyone does and it's almost like if we grew up thinking that it was normal to wear a pink bunny suit we would just wear our pink bunny suit and when we left our house for the first time without our family or saw someone outside of our family and they're not wearing a pink bunny suit we'd be really surprised because we thought that everyone wore pink bunny suits to all who come to this happy podcast welcome this is spiritually ever after the place where Disney meets wellness and spirituality. I'm your host, Kitty Packman, spiritual mentor, licensed therapist, and major Disney person. This is the place where the magic of spirituality, self-awareness, and personal development meets the magic of Disney. You are safe to be your full magical self here. Now let's dive in. Surprise! We are bringing you a bonus holiday episode, really just because I felt like, how can we not celebrate the holiday magic and the Harry Potter episode wasn't enough holiday for me. <laughs> so I wanted to honestly kind of bring you just like a smorgasbord of holiday Disney magic. We're going to talk a little bit about Walt Disney World at the holidays and then talk about some Disney Plus options. Um, so for today, we're going to focus on the Hip Hop Nutcracker, which is starring Twitch and Allison. And so I figured, given that we just lost Twitch last week, it would be nice to spend some time talking about this and honor him. I'm going to rank all four of the Boy Meets World holiday episodes that are on Disney+. And then I'm going to talk about the 30th anniversary special of Beauty and the Beast, because for me, when I think about Disney and the holidays... I think of the something there scene in Beauty and the Beast. And when I thought about that and I saw that they had the 30th anniversary special, I felt like, why not? Let's talk about it. Um, and I'll also say that there are just a bunch of classic holiday movies on Disney+. Plus. They have the whole Santa Claus series, including the new TV series, The Santa Clauses, which is pretty good. It's interesting. Um, we've been watching it and yeah, it's interesting. I know I'm, um, I think I'm only two episodes in so far. Um, they also have the Home Alone series. They have Muppets Christmas Carol. They just have a bunch of stuff on Disney+. Plus. I saw there's a new magical holiday celebration special with Derek and Julianne Hough. So there's a lot to watch. I know I have a long list of holiday movies just in general to watch still this year, but I figured I want to squeeze some Disney in to do this episode. So first, I'm going to talk about being in Walt Disney World for the holidays. So I've been there twice for the holidays. The first time was Thanksgiving 2017, and the second was the next year in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So when I was there in 2017, I was there on Thanksgiving Day. I had gone with my mom and my sister with my mom's work. We flew down and um, we were, that was my only time that I've ever been in the parks for a major holiday. So we spent Thanksgiving in Hollywood studios, my sister and I, my mom was actually working that morning. So my sister and I just did the Hollywood studios in the morning and then went over to see the game at ESPN that afternoon. And it was interesting being there on an actual holiday. It was pretty crowded and I'm sure these days it's even more crowded because this was pre-pandemic. But there was definitely a certain magic to it. We definitely enjoyed ourselves and had fun that day. And we were able, because it was just two of us, to get on a lot of the rides earlier in the morning. But the decorations are just absolutely amazing. If you've never been to Walt Disney World or Disneyland for the holidays, I highly recommend it. it they just look amazing. By Thanksgiving, not everything is out. I think they start to kind of roll everything out a little bit before Thanksgiving so that there's enough up for Thanksgiving. And then throughout the next few weeks, they roll more and more decorations out all throughout the resort, especially in Walt Disney World. I've never been to Disneyland for the holidays yet, uh, but Walt Disney World, I know all of the hotels, all of the parks, all of Disney Springs, everything just gets a total makeover for the holidays, which is so cool. Um, and then the second time that I was there was between Thanksgiving and Christmas that next year, uh, which is when I know I talked about that in my episode with Christina King. That was when I was there uh, for my ex's birthday. 
And so we got to do Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party that time. That was so much fun. I really recommended that. I wasn't sure about the hard ticket events because you end up spending a lot of money. You have to have a park ticket and then the um, hard ticket for the event on top of it. So it ends up being a lot. But I did definitely think it was really it was a good time. There was, again, a lot of special things that you don't get to see otherwise. There were a lot of snack options that you don't get otherwise. You get a ton of free cookies. You get to go on basically any ride you want in Magic Kingdom with very little lines. Um, and they had a really cool castle overlay and show. Um, I know it looked like Elsa's castle when I was there and it looked so cool. So I don't know what they do now. I'm sure it's even better now as always. But yeah, Mickey's Very, very Merry Christmas Party was was fun. I definitely enjoyed that a lot. And a lot of people dressed up for it. I mean, in general, a lot of people dress up when they go to the parks now, which is super fun and one of my favorite things to do. So just something to think about that if you are going to Walt Disney World or Disneyland or Disneyland Paris or anywhere to think about it ahead of time to buy your outfit ahead of time to figure it out so that you don't end up trying to figure something out while you're down there and spend a ton of money on uh, just getting Disney apparel directly from in the parks. If you are going to Walt Disney World at the holidays, I definitely recommend you go to the Grand Floridian. They have a giant gingerbread house. It smells amazing as soon as you even just walk into the lobby and it's so cool to see. And they have all these facts around it about how long it took to make it and how many people and how much of each ingredient went into it. And then I know that they, when it's done, they take it apart and they bring it somewhere for all these bees to be able to kind of like cultivate it. And it it's it, in typical Disney fashion done in a very um, like conservationist way. And yeah, it's just a fun thing to go and to see and to get pictures of and to smell. And you can, I know you can buy some of the gingerbread at kind of like a little cafe, you know, setup that they had. I don't know if they still have this, but I know they did when I was there a few years ago. So I would think they probably have something where you can get some of this gingerbread and, and you can bring some home or you can eat it there. Another fun thing that I did when I was there in 2018 is they had a uh, character meal in Hollywood and Vine in Hollywood Studios. And it's like Mickey and the gang and they are all in Hollywood, not Hollywood, in holiday outfits. And it was really cute. It was cute to see them in different outfits and you get to get pictures in different outfits and they look all fancy. So it could even be really fun too. I wasn't dressed up that time that I had gone. I would, if I went back, when I go back, I would love to uh, dress up holiday as well and get like super cute pictures there because you could definitely get really good pictures there at Hollywood and Vine and the food was pretty good. I think it was buffet, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure if I'm wrong, but that's over in Hollywood Studios. And something else that's kind of a fun idea is to, especially if you're going earlier, if you're going around Thanksgiving, is you could get your holiday card pictures done while you're in Disney. Um, whether you do them professionally or if you just ask someone to take a picture, then you use those as your holiday card. And if you didn't even want to do it while you're in the parks, if you don't want to go to Hollywood and Vine, an idea you can do is in Disney Springs, there is just outside of the Disney Days of Christmas shop, there's a little kind of like setup of, I think it was like Goofy and probably Mickey. I can't remember a few different characters. Um, that I know I had seen when I was just there in October and I got a fun picture that I'll be putting up when I put this episode up. Um, that's somewhere that you could even go and get your picture. Even if you were there in the summer, you could get a fun kind of, you know, holiday picture to use for your holiday card. So I personally love going to, I mean, I love going to Disney all, all different times of the year. I think there's benefits for every single different season. Um, except maybe the height of summer. I don't really like going to Disney in the height of summer, but otherwise, um, there's pretty much different benefits to, to going different times of the year, but the holidays are just something really special and just being able to see again, all of these incredible decorations as Disney does it, it's always in those details and there's just, it, there's a special kind of magic going at the holidays. So I really, really recommend it. So if you have any questions, again, it has been a few years and I know things change quickly at Disney, um, but if you have specific questions about, you know, going to Disney for the holidays, especially Walt Disney World, that's really where 
um, where I've been and what I know best, feel free to message me on Instagram. And now we'll dive into some Disney Plus options. Again, this is just skimming the surface of what's available on Disney Plus in terms of holiday options. I know even for TV shows, I had found a list that had, oh my goodness, so many TV shows. And so I probably will hopefully kind of get to some of those before. I know I want to watch some Hannah Montana and a few others. But for this, I figured I would just do Boy Meets World. We're doing the Hip Hop Nutcracker and the 30th anniversary of Beauty and the Beast. So the Hip Hop Nutcracker, um, I was surprised to see it's only 45 minutes. So I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. I'm not necessarily, I'm just starting to kind of get into watching things with dance. I watched, um, what's it called? Uh, oh my goodness. Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> I was going to say Dancing with the Celebrity, Dancing with the Stars, and uh, recently, and so it's been sort of on my mind, and so this wasn't totally weird for me to be watching dance, but it's not normally something that I've done, and definitely when I realized that there was no talking in it, that was, I was like, okay, that's interesting, um, but it did make me appreciate the dance more, which was kind of cool, but yeah, when I went to go put it on, I saw that the cover picture is a picture of Twitch and Allison, and I just... Yeah. So it's been definitely on my mind and on my heart to come on and just kind of, again, like honor him. Um, I loved Twitch. Twitch and Allison um, were the hosts of Disney Fairytale Weddings. So I loved them from that. Um, but I know that he had been on, you know, a million different things. Um, and yeah, so figured I would just, you know, create some space for that here. And basically the premise of this um, you know, quick little, I don't even know what you would want to call it, <laughs> little 45 minute movie of the hip hop nutcracker, um, is that Twitch and Allison are this kind of like teenage girls, mom and dad, and they can't get along, but they're kind of pretending to on social media. Um, and so she kind of like dances her way through this dream, which helps her realize that dance is what will bring them back together. And again, I only realized once I was watching this, that there was going to be no speaking, which was interesting. Um, but then it ends up being that Rev Run from DMC sings. So that kind of gave us a little bit of words. It was a very interesting experience, but I definitely don't not recommend it. I thought it was kind of interesting to watch. Um, and some of the dancing was really, really cool. I know I think her name was like Drosselmeyer. She was the woman who came out of this toy shop. That was like the first dance that got me like, okay, now I'm like interested in this. And then we had this girl with space buns who kind of, I think she was supposed to be like a doll. That was really cool. Um, and then finally we got a ballerina and I was like, all right, this is what we've been waiting for. Um, and I thought it was interesting that the ballerina was white and that all these other dancers who were dancing more hip hop were, were predominantly black. I thought like, why not even bring in a black ballerina? Um, and the doll kind of girl was also white. Um, but again, um, I thought it was pretty cool. And I thought the ballerina was kind of cool. I did not like there was like a jack in the box situation. And that was kind of freaking me out a little bit. So if you've seen this, or if you go and watch it, and you see what I'm talking about, let me know if you agree with me. Um, but then there was sort of like a love connection scene for our main girl, I think her name was Maria Clara. Um, and that was a really cute scene. Like it was like really well done. I felt like, especially this moment where their feet were kind of moving together and it was really cute and felt like, you know, fresh new teenage love. Um, and then they said, I think Revron actually sang something about him being a nutcracker man. Cause this, her love interest was selling nuts and I finally put two and two together and I had not understood that he was going to be the nutcracker or what, how this was relating at all to the nutcracker other than using the music and dancing. <laughs> Um, and again, I was just sort of like, this is so interesting that Reverend is in this. He said something like, um, I'm cool, peeps, so I'll watch your cart. And I'm like, what is going on? It's very interesting, but again, sort of entertaining to watch. Um, and then these things came in that I wasn't totally sure if they were mice or they were bears, but they ended up being mice. Um, and then one of them was a dancer with one leg on crutches, which was, this dancer was amazing. That was very cool to see and just like... Um, in general, seeing how all of this combined dance and CGI to kind of like make this extra magical layer to it. And then we saw our Nutcracker get these sort of magical shoes, which was kind of cool. And then I don't even know, Maria Clara was walking down like a staircase full of drums. It was a very, <laughs> very interesting um, set for all of it. Um, but it was very cool. I thought it was very well done. And the dancing was was pretty cool. 
and their relationship the the main two characters the maria clara and the nutcracker were very cute um and they're dancing just sort of like they made it look very easy so it was good and then these people came in in masks and i was happy to see that maria clara and the nutcracker looked happy to see them because i was not sure if these were good people or if these were bad people in masks um but by this point i kind of ended up really enjoying that revron was like the only voice and and yeah it was he definitely added something to it um and then we saw twitch and allison and it just reminded me that twitch was really just so much fun to watch and he just like gave up so much joy and it probably means that he was really good at hiding how much he was hurting and you know this was again just timely to be watching this I know this was this just came out recently um so it was just like interesting to see them and they really did look so happy together so it was definitely really sad but again just wanted to uh he was he's been on my mind I really liked twitch so yeah so that was an interesting (laughs) an interesting thing to watch it was definitely different for me um, but I didn't, I didn't dislike it and it was kind of fun. Again, I was not expecting it to not have any words, but it made me then appreciate Rev Run from DMC. So, yep, that is the Hip Hop Nutcracker. That's on Disney+. Plus. The next thing we're going to be talking about is Boy Meets World. So there are four holiday episodes of Boy Meets World on Disney+. Plus, and I watched them in chronological order, starting from the first season. So season one, episode 10 is called Santa's Little Helper. And they are so young. It was so adorable. And I love how right from the beginning, they really start out to Pega Strong. She's talking about psychics, the winter solstice, ancestors, auras, intuition. It's amazing. And I just, I didn't remember that. And I also didn't remember that Mouth from, uh, what's it called? One Tree Hill didn't that got his start on boy meets world i don't know why i forgot that i think i didn't watch one tree hill until i was a little bit older and so i think by then i had sort of forgotten about boy meets world a little bit and i knew that mouth had been in something but did not remember that he was in boy meets world so yeah he's so cute they're all just so little and so adorable and it's so funny like they uh Corey and Sean were talking about how Corey had five dollars and Sean was like oh my god you have five dollars and it's just crazy to think how quickly that's changed you know like within our lifetime that five dollars back then was such a bigger deal obviously also when you're a younger kid five dollars is a bigger deal but yeah it's just crazy to think about how much it's changed and of course once we see them talking about the $5 and then we see Minkus come and talk to them about needing to pay $5. I had figured out the plot. I'm like, oh, of course we know what's going to happen. But it was still fun to watch. And oh my goodness. So Morgan, Corey's sister is so cute and she's so little and she's just such a vibe. And she thinks that she gave Santa a heart attack, which is so cute. And she thinks she killed Santa and then an elf comes and makes it even more seem like she killed Santa. So it was just a really cute little like kind of side plot. We find out then that Sean's dad got laid off. And so Sean had been pretending like he's going to get all these gifts, but he's actually not going to get any gifts. And Corey says, oh, no, Sean's not going to get anything for Christmas like Tiny Tim in that story about Carol. So it was funny. And it was I will give it to Boy Meets World that they did a really good job of weaving a lot of these lessons in, which was really nice um, in a way that still felt really fun. And like the show was, um, you know, I loved Seventh Heaven, but seventh heaven you knew you were learning something you knew there was a moral boy meets world felt like a fun show but sometimes you also learned something or got something out of it um and it's cute because in this moment Corey says you know when he realizes and he says that moment about carol he says oh can i give him one of our presents how about one of eric's right and so at first he's just sort of like joking around about it um and I also noticed just that the fashion is so fabulously 90s, like everything that that Corey and Sean and everyone was wearing is just like, oh, I'm like, oh, I want all of that. Um, But we see then this progression of Corey 
being willing to give his basketball and Sean doesn't want to take it and all of this kind of like back and forth. Um, and then to what, you know, what ends up happening. <laughs> yeah. I basically, I don't want to give too much away. Um, uh, but it was just, it was very cute. And it just was also like, why is Mr. Feeney never not working by choice? It's like, even when he's standing in the backyard, he's still their teacher. He's still teaching them at all times. And we'll see in these other episodes that he ends up, he comes over every Christmas Eve. He's like a major part of their family, which is so funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> even in this episode, he comes over as Santa. And so it is very funny to see how Mr. Feeney is just so uh, connected to the family. So this episode, I really enjoyed it. Again, they were so cute and so little. So I gave this one a seven out of 10. Our next episode was season four, episode 11. It's called Easy Street. And I, the first thing I noticed was, wow, they grew up a lot in three seasons. I'm guessing uh, this was over a few years. And again, they're just so young that you notice it so much more. Um, but yeah, they grew up a lot. Um, and I noticed like why are there two teachers in this classroom like why is it that we would have both of and of course the two main teachers that they're closest with being in both of their you know both of this classroom at the same time um, but it's adorable I think that you know Sean specifically got a job so that he could buy the people that he loves presents and Corey got one too but of course Corey finds out that he got this kind of like cushy job and as they're talking about this, their teacher gives them the assignment to really look at their choices over the next week. And they had just been reading, um, you know, the poem, uh, Two Roads Diverged in a Wood, right? The Road Less Traveled. And so they're supposed to be looking at their choices over the next week. And then they end up showing that Corey has gotten this cushy job of basically working for these mob guys. And one of them, Mr. Fontaine, is the voice of Scuttle. If you listen, I looked away for a minute. And so my my eyes weren't looking at the screen. I just heard his voice. And I was like, oh, that sounds like Scuttle. And I looked it up and it is. So Mr. Fontaine is the voice of Scuttle, which was pretty fun. Um, and then, of course, we see kind of the juxtaposition of Sean's job. He's working down at like the docks and he's been working since 3 a.m. And I'm like, that is definitely not allowed at their age. <laughs> um, but so, of course, Sean talks Corey out of it and says, you know, you can't do that. You can't be working for the mob. And then Sean takes the job from him, <laughs> which, of course, we, you know, can tell from Sean's history and just the way they paint Sean in the show that this is not going to be a good situation. And so... um. It, then, of course, is Corey trying to have to convince Sean out of giving up the job, right? Uh, but we then see Corey's brother, Eric, and he is offering to drive this woman that he works with, that he has a crush on, home. And as they're driving, she thinks there's a blizzard coming. And I don't understand why, instead of trying to figure out how to drive to safety or at least keep the car on, she has them pull over and turn the car off. And of course, it's getting too cold. And this is a whole other ridiculous side plot, which was pretty fun to watch. Um, I just thought that the Sean's relationship with money is interesting. And the way that they paint his relationship and his family's relationship with money is interesting. And um, I thought that... It was well done for how young he is and who the show was for. And it was interesting how they show Sean's family and the Matthews family being different and kind of like the stories that bring them to this place. And again, in relationship with each of these boys working for these mob guys for a little bit. We then go back to the blizzard scene and just the whole thing is just ridiculous. And again, I think she could have just turned the car on, turned the heat on. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was interesting, but it was cute. And again, I think Eric is always just a fun character to watch. And again, then going back to that, you know, the road less traveled and Corey and Sean looking at their choices and, uh, yeah, I just thought it was cute. You know, it ended with this two roads diverged in a wood and I choose the one that leads back to your house and, uh, just their friendship. So I thought this was a really cute one. I gave this one a six out of 10. I thought it didn't have as much to it as some of the other ones. I thought, especially as they get later on, we get a little more, um, but I thought it was pretty cute and, and fun to watch. Next, we have A Very Topanga Christmas. This was season five, episode 11. And 
as I just was watching this, the first thing that came to my mind was that it was fun to remember the different intros. You know, there were all these different ones for the different seasons. And I felt like this one, I think this and the next season both have the same intro. And it was my favorite one. I definitely was singing every word as I was rewatching this. And I noticed how crazy it is that Eric really hasn't changed that much since the first season compared to Corey and Sean and, and Topanga because they've grown up so much more. And I was, again, because there was a little bit of a jump from the last, uh, oh no, it was season four, season five. Wow. It felt like there was a big jump because all of a sudden Topanga's old enough to be staying overnight. It felt like all of a sudden here they were significantly older. And so I looked afterwards and they were supposed to be getting ready to go to college here. So they were probably about 18, 17, 18. Um, but there was just so many things that happened in this episode that made me say, like, how old are they supposed to be? Um, and we see Corey getting ready to give Topanga a promise ring. And I thought, how classic 90s, right? Um, and they have this debate about how they are an eggnog family. And Topanga says, well, we're really a mulled cider family. And I thought it was funny because we are definitely a cider family. We've done eggnog a few times, but it is totally not our thing. And my mom especially loves the cider. So, and I love cider too. It's my favorite, um, like alcoholic beverage is hard cider. And so we're big, definitely a cider family. So I thought that was funny. There was the cider eggnog family thing. Um, and then they were talking about the fake tree versus a real tree. And that, again, is definitely a real debate. We now have a fake tree after having had a fire. Just It was two days before Christmas in 2016. We had a fire. The tree supposedly, not supposedly, surprisingly, did not go up in flames and like set you know a bigger fire. But because of that, someone gave us a fake tree and my mom has decided we are now sticking with the fake tree. So I personally really miss the real tree. I love the smell. I love that whole process. And as I say that, I'm laughing because every single year that we would go get a tree, we would get into a fight. So I shouldn't love the process. And yet I do have happy memories of the process. So I miss the real tree. Um, and they also talked, they just talked a lot about traditions in this one. You know, they talk about when do you open your presents and Topanga says she opens all of her presents on Christmas Eve and Corey says they always wait until Christmas morning. I know we personally do one present usually on Christmas Eve or when I was younger um, and then we would open all the rest of the presents on Christmas morning. So it's interesting to think about how right everyone has different traditions. I know one of my favorite professors in grad school always talked about this pink bunny suit right and how we think that the traditions that our family grew up with are the norm that that this is just what everyone does and it's almost like if we grew up thinking that it was normal to wear a pink bunny suit we would just wear our pink bunny suit and when we left our house for the first time without our family or saw someone outside of our family and they're not wearing a pink bunny suit we'd be really surprised because we thought that everyone wore pink bunny suits so I thought this was kind of cool to look at the different traditions and to look at how different families do different things. And obviously there's no right or wrong. There's nothing that's better or worse than the other. It's just, you know, different. And that's ultimately what we see in this episode and what they realize. But it obviously takes them a little bit of time to get there. And again, we see Mr. Feeney coming over every Christmas Eve and they, they make this joke about him coming over without even being asked, which is funny to me. Um, and... They're talking about, you know, what they're watching every Christmas Eve or what they're reading. And, you know, I know for us, we watch It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas Eve. And that's become a really cool tradition that I, I love that movie. And it just feels like feels like Christmas to me. So it's definitely fun. And I know what they were saying in here is that they, Mr. Feeney comes over and reads A Christmas Carol every year on Christmas Eve. And what's cool is that we'll see in the next episode that he is back and does continue to read the book to everyone. And it's cute to see that tradition over the years. Uh, so I thought that was really cute and well done. So then we see Sean's long lost brother, Jack, and I could not remember his name for the life of me until they said it. And I forgot that they live in like a bachelor pad. It's Jack, Sean and Eric all live together. And it is, I just was thinking, I really need to know how old they are, but it seems like they were about 18. Um, and then of course, right after that, I see that Topanga's not sleeping in the same room as Corey. So I'm thinking, okay, well, they're young enough to not be sleeping in the same room, but they're old enough for Sean to have moved in with his brother and Eric in like a bachelor pad. <laughs> it's 
very interesting. Um, and I didn't love how, I mean, a lot of the way that they portrayed Topanga in this episode, I didn't love because they definitely, you know, called her bossy and made her seem like too much when, um, I don't think she was pushing a lot of her stuff. I think a lot of the times it was just that Corey didn't even ask. He just assumed that she wasn't going to want to do it. And then basically, uh, blamed her for him assuming that she wouldn't want it or that, you know, she was going to give him a hard time about it. But here it was almost like they implied that all women wake up at 3 a.m. and just want to talk because Topanga wants to. And then, of course, Corey's wide awake and he sees his dad and he's awake for the same reason. I thought that was a little strange, but yeah. Um, but then when they get into a fight the next morning, Corey and Topanga, he left her at the house and went to go see the boys at this bachelor pad. And I thought that was very strange and rude, right? To leave her at your parents' house and basically make her have to answer to your parents if they ask what's going on while you go and talk to your friends about it. Um, I thought it was adorable that Sean was telling him to go back and, you know, like, you have a good girl. Like, don't don't mess this up. Like, this is you. This isn't her. And then Topanga comes and she apologizes, but she apologizes because her traditions are different and not that she was pushing hers. And again, I don't think she was pushing them as much as he thought that she was, but I thought that was interesting that she just came and apologized and said, well, I know my, I'm sorry, my family's traditions are different than yours. Um, and yeah, he just let her go and didn't try to stop her. And then he fell asleep, Corey, and Feeney comes in as the ghost of Christmas future. And I love how Corey immediately says that he doesn't, he says, I don't want to play. He just knows he does not even want to see it. And then Mr. Feeney calls him a coward and basically shows that he didn't even try to ask for what he wanted and that if he had, she would have let him, right? Because we see her with Jack and they have a aluminum tray and I wanted to say I really think that Corey's acting here was pretty good. When he saw Topanga with Jack and just the emotions, I was impressed with his acting for a young actor. And then I thought it was really sweet that we see Topanga upset about Corey and talking to Corey's mom about it and that she just kissed Topanga and then walked away as opposed to trying to defend her son or trying to get involved. She just kind of held some face, showed support and just walked away. And then we see Corey come back and he's Christmas caroling. And they, that was one of the big things they'd gotten into a fight about. And they both got each other promise rings, which was so nineties and just a little too much, but in a cute corny way. Um, and I just also thought like, wow, the little sister is just so much bigger than she was in that first season. Morgan, and then, of course, we see Mr. Feeney again putting everyone to sleep, which was really cute. And yeah, so I really, really enjoyed this episode. I would give this one an 8 out of 10. This was really, really cute. And then the last one was Santa's Little Helpers. This is season 6, episode 11. I love how Feeney is at college with them. I don't understand. <laughs> again, I kind of want to go back and rewatch this whole uh, show because I didn't remember a lot of it. But... Yeah, I know they mentioned Sean's father is missing again. I mean, I remembered some stuff with Sean's father, but there's I definitely need to rewatch this because I did not remember this. But yeah, just the drama of being couples that are best friends. That was kind of fun to watch and just remember. And yeah, just knowing that they're both supposedly in love with each other and they're both going to be there for Christmas. That was cute. We saw a kid pinch uh, Mrs. Claus's butt like that would not happen these days in a show I thought that was totally inappropriate and, and again just showing like how much has changed in not that long of amount of time right I thought it was so sweet seeing Eric as Santa and giving the video game and you know saying all right use Santa's dad's credit card and go buy all the toys you can and even Eric Santa's voice was really cute I thought this whole thing with Eric as Santa was very cute and then Jack spending the money from his trip. Like, this was just really adorable. And, yeah, the Angela Sean line was funny to me. I thought it was interesting how they just started, you know, once they did finally gave in and gave in to the mistletoe, if you will, they just started making out in the middle of the Matthews living room with uh, Corey's little sister and dad just standing right by. Like, you would not do that. <laughs> and then they left to go talk. And they went to the, I guess, the student center or whatever that was on the college campus when the guy, the janitor was cleaning up and there was no one around, they would not have been allowed to hang out in there. But for some reason they were. And 
you think they're going to work it out. And of course, you know, I don't want to give too much of my way. We see things don't always go exactly the way we expect. Um, but <laughs> then we go back to their house and I really thought that this was going to end with Eric adopting this child. And I did not understand how that was going to be the plot line, but I actually thought it was a really adorable way that they handled this. And it was cute how we saw Eric kind of having this like moment talking to God or a higher power and just kind of being like, why, like, why would this happen? Why would you do this to this poor, adorable little kid? And we then see him say, you know, I'll, I'll handle this. Like I'll figure this out and I, I can be mature enough to handle this. And he actually does. He comes up with a really good way to handle it. So I thought that was pretty cute. And, and I thought it was adorable that again, we saw, Feeny reading to them and them all falling asleep to, to Mr. Feeny reading to them. So I thought this one was pretty good. It wasn't my favorite. Um, and I am a sucker for a happy ending. And I, again, with Sean and Angela, I was not, you know, anyway, so I gave this one a six and a half out of 10. So definitely my favorite was a very Topanga Christmas, but I thought they were all really cute and it was fun to watch them and they're short. So there's only four of them. So that's something fun to just watch, especially if you work from home and just want to throw it on in the background. All right. And then the last thing we're going to talk about is the Beauty and the Beast 30th special. So I didn't even know that this was happening until I just saw it on Disney Plus. I think there's so many things on Disney Plus that I don't even realize are on there. Um, but Shania Twain was Mrs. Potts like are you kidding that's so amazing and she was so good even just once the prologue music came on of course I said this in the last episode of Harry Potter right that the prologue music came on and I was getting excited same thing here and I'm wondering if maybe it's Maya Fantasia that I, I'm not necessarily able to like pick up on creating the pictures and so instead the sounds make a bigger difference for me I don't know but it just was like getting me so excited and then this intro I this thought this almost gave me like Hamilton vibes and I liked it it felt very elevated I was very interested I was like very very excited and intrigued and I liked that they were using the original prologue audio like I thought that was a really cool combination of like the new live action stuff but with the original audio and I didn't understand why they used someone else as that the beast slash prince in, you know, when he was young rather than just using Josh Groban. But maybe he needed to already be in his strange beast costume. Um, I'm going to talk a lot about that beast costume. Um, and as I was watching this, I just realized, oh, my goodness, I hope they do something for Howard Ashman, which, of course, they did. So we then see Belle. Belle comes out and I just loved it. Like from the minute I saw her, I thought her was amazing as Belle. Um, I thought this combination of the classic animation, being at Disney Animated Studios, and also having modern real people was just so fun and good and just really well done. And I saw that the librarian and bookshop owner was Paige O'Hara. So she's the original Belle. So that was really cool. And they have that exchange where Paige got to say, you know, if you like it all that much, it's yours. And I felt like that was almost like a passing of the baton, which was really special. I just in general thought that her was a really solid bell. I thought it was like a very challenging role to step into, especially with Paige O'Hara being there. But I thought that her was kind of like the right amount of inquisitive and soft and hopeful and, you know, optimistic almost. And honestly, I thought that she was a little bit more convincing than Emma Watson in her performance of this song, not necessarily of the whole overall. But to me, this is this intro is everything bell the song bell and then bell reprise are like everything um and i thought that her did a really 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 good job of this i did not like this lefou at all like at all at all i thought gaston seemed way too nice but had a great voice so that was you know and nice to watch and listen to um and I just had chills like seeing them all walk onto the set through all of the people with the signs and just feeling like this is a classic, you know, and millennials, we go nuts for this movie. So to be able to be there seemed like it was just a really cool experience. And for the actors and the dancers and the singers and everything to be walking through all of those fans being so excited was really cool. I also loved how they included the original storyboards. Just they did a lot to call back to the original movie, which was really special. And then we had Belle reprise and she had this giant dandelion, which was ridiculous. 
Um, but I thought they did a pretty good job of the grassy kind of sound of music inspired scene, which would be hard to do on right live action. But I thought we're, you know, live theater. But I thought they did a really good job, a job of it, um, and especially with all the different bells. I thought that was really, really cute. And then, of course, they played the original cast recordings and I was just dying, especially with Jerry Orbach and just seeing all of them. It was really, really cool. The castle, I thought, on the set looked pretty legit. And I thought that Martin Short, Martin Short was amazing. And David Allen Greer was really, really good, too, as Cogsworth. And I thought that, honestly, all of their voices sounded almost creepily like the originals. Like, it was like, is that even Josh Groban's voice? Or did they sort of, like, combine his voice, you know? And even, like, the guy playing Maurice, I'm not sure of his name, the actor... But his sighs and his like worried sounds, everything was spot on to the original Maurice. So I was, it was interesting to me. I didn't know if those were like digitally altered or if these people just really took this job seriously to sound like the original, but I did appreciate that. It definitely is one of my qualms when I see something like this and it's not like the original. So we then moved into Gaston and I realized that I was super excited for it and I love this song and that this is one of my favorite villain songs. I had never even really thought about it or called it a villain song, but I guess it sort of is. Um, but I love this song. And again, I was a little disappointed because I did not like this LeFou, but I love this Gaston. I, I, he doesn't he doesn't give me Gaston vibes because I don't hate him. And normally I hate Gaston. I liked this guy. He was, he was cute. He had a really good voice. He, yeah. Um, but I did not like the LeFou, honestly. Um, and I thought the dance scene here was awesome. Again, the voices sounded awesome, aside from LeFou's a little bit. Uh, I just didn't like his vibe. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that Gaston's voice was really, really close to the original, um, but just like a little bit bigger, a little more live theater. And I thought he was really, really good. Again, I, I didn't totally believe him as Gaston because normally I hate Gaston, but otherwise I thought he was great. I love that they made a TikTok dance joke with Cogsworth, like making fun of his sound being TikTok. Um, and once we saw Josh Groban in his Beast costume, I just had so many questions. If you haven't seen this and you don't plan on watching this, like even maybe just go Google what this looks like. It was very bizarre. I really did not. I did not enjoy it. Um, we then saw these dancers that were acting out being a rose and I just did not love it like I liked the concept of it but I didn't think that it really it did it for me I think maybe had there been a picture of a rose behind them or something that would have been better but I didn't love it we then hear them talking about how it took 50 years from the initial inspiration of making this movie for it to really take off and that it was especially thanks to Howard Ashman joining on. So that was really special to hear that special mention of Howard because Howard Ashman is my favorite. It was also cool to hear that this was the first woman ever to write an animated feature for Disney and that Roy Disney wrote the prologue. I did not realize that. So that was really cool. We got to see some footage of Paige O'Hara. And of course, we were reminded that this was the first animated film ever to be nominated for Best Picture, which is the really, really special, like nominated alongside non-animated films that's just so cool um and we then move into be our guest and as I was watching this I really was just thinking like this whole concept is is just so ridiculous right I mean obviously like they're not even supposed to be letting her eat anything let alone put on a full Broadway style performance and a x-course meal uh, with everyone involved to make her feel comfortable so that she knows she's the guest. It's so funny. But again, I guess that's that's the whole point of it. Um, but I, I just love it. And I was impressed with Martin Short. I thought really, I mean, in just in general lately, he's really been having a moment between Only Murders in the Building. He just hosted SNL. He's really, he's doing well. And I thought he was great in this. I was really impressed with him. And then Shania came in as Mrs. Potts, and it was amazing. She was, yeah, she was just so cute. Um, and, yeah, it was just really adorable. And we see her as Belle, and she's clapping so enthusiastically, which was very accurate to the animated movie. But I never understood this because, again, she's just been basically kidnapped, told she has to stay here for the rest of her life, and you know, a few hours later, presumably she's just clapping along as all these plates are singing to her about what she's going to be eating. It's so ridiculous. 
And then we see Lumiere and Cogsworth giving Belle a tour, kind of offering to walk her over to the library. And that's when she sneaks off to go to the West Wing. And I forgot that this all happens right after Be Our Guest, that this is all in one night. Like she arrives, she's in her room, she has Be Our Guest, she has dinner, and then now she's going into the West Wing. And that's, of course, when she sees the picture of him and it's all torn and she finds the rose. And honestly, in the beast defense, why would she take that jar off and go touch that clearly enchanted rose? He told you you couldn't go there for a reason. Obviously, I understand being curious and wanting to know. But at the same time, you don't want to mess up something that's that you're not going to be able to fix. And that clearly looks like something that you may not be able to fix. So that was interesting to me. I was like, why would you do that? Um, yeah. And as I was watching this again, I was like, I almost couldn't get over how much I disliked what this beast looks like. Um, and I was like, why is he so hard? Like to me, a big part of what the beast in the animated movie looks like is he's soft and he's like covered in fur and, and you know, obviously he's also often wearing clothes. And so it's like, he's, he's very comforting, even though he's a beast, this was very rough and, um, cold and hard and he reminded me of this robot dog that I had in like 2000 it was big for just a little bit um and I looked it up and it was called a poochie so if you don't remember it uh p-o-o-c-h-i poochie I definitely had one and it definitely reminded me of that like just kind of like very robotic and um angular edges things like that I'm like why do they make him look like this also watching this, I realized, and I had known this before, but really realized, Belle has so many cute looks in this movie, in this performance. I mean, I absolutely love the green, green on green. Green's my favorite color. So like that one is one of my favorites, but I really love the winter outfit from something there. Her classic blue dress and the white apron is really cute. Even the yellow dress is pretty cute for a princess dress. Like they're all really, really cute. Um, and even like the pink on the maroon that they're when they're eating soup is not my favorite, but it's just all like really adorable. She has a lot of good looks. Um, but even though I couldn't really buy into the Beast's uh, costume and mask, I will say Josh Groban's voice was absolutely amazing. I mean, again, he sounded like the original Beast, but just really, just really, really well done. I didn't understand why in something there the birds were like half the beast size. Like obviously they were going to need to be real people, but they needed to do something else because it was like, is the, is he supposed to be a mini beast or these are giant birds? Um, and that's, again, that's my favorite. Something there is one of my favorite scenes in any Disney movie. And I thought that the harmonies from Shania Twain, Martin Short, all of the, you know, Cogsworth Lumiere, Mrs. Potts, all of them were just really, really, really good. And that was, that was fun to watch. They then again called out our beautiful Howard Ashman, Alan Menken team and it was adorable that they had Alan Menken come on and do um, Beauty and the Beast with Shania Twain live. Alan just looked so cute. It looked like it, was, it looked like it was the first time he's ever played this live, which obviously is not the case, but he just looked so into it. And Shania sounded awesome, looked awesome. It was just really, really cool. And it was also interesting to me because it was like, wow, it's crazy to think that in my lifetime, Shania Twain would play a role that was originally played by Angela Lansbury, right? Like they are uh, in such different age brackets, lifetimes in my mind, and yet they're not. So that was interesting for me of just like, wow, that's that's interesting. Um, and again, it was much better once we just had Josh forevermore with no suit. That was nice because again, he's, his voice is just amazing, but the suit was really not doing it for me. And I thought that was so funny how they basically recreated the painting uh, that was scratched up but made it Josh so that it worked for him. That was funny to me. But yeah, his voice is amazing and he just makes it look so effortless. So if, again, if you don't want to watch the whole thing, maybe even just, um, I don't know if the soundtrack is available, probably it is somewhere, but anything that Josh Groban was in, especially Evermore, was really, really good. And for some reason, it was making me think of in the office when he plays Andy's brother, Walter Bernard Jr., and he's just such a jerk. Um, but he seemed he seemed nice in this, especially later. There was a moment where he was sort of looking really encouraging to her, which I appreciated and thought was sweet. But yeah, Evermore was really, really good. 
And then we move into the mob song scene. And I love how the song is just literally straight up called the mob song. Like they don't even try to pretend. Um, And it just really shows how quickly people can get wrapped up and involved in something extreme. A lot of people say that this is symbolic for stigma around HIV during the epidemic in the late 80s, early 90s. This came out in 91. Um, And if you don't know, Howard Ashman passed from AIDS before this movie actually aired. So he never got to see in his lifetime how popular and how successful it was. We then see, you know, during this mob scene, Gaston approaching and shooting the beast with arrows. And it made me think, I think in the live action, they used a gun. I think Gaston had a gun. You need to go rewatch it or look it up. But I was, I was like, okay, I couldn't remember. But I was like, is there a gun in the other one? Because it's definitely arrows in the animated version. Um, and yeah, and then we saw them move in again to that finale. And I thought it was sweet how Josh seemed to be making her seem really comfortable as she was coming out during the Beauty and the Beast finale and I wasn't expecting her to come out playing guitar and I thought that was really cool I don't know her that well and so I wasn't sure and I thought that was really I thought she was going to go in for like a wardrobe change or something like that so I thought that was really cool to have her come out playing guitar and she was really good so overall I thought this was pretty good I was going to give this like a 7 out of 10 I thought this was worth the watch if you are a Disney or Beauty and the Beast fan for sure and again even if you're not just listening to Josh Groban singing evermore I thought he was really, really good. So yeah, that is the 30th special of Beauty and the Beast. And that also concludes our bonus holiday episode. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm happy you were here. Get excited because we have a bunch of fun guest episodes coming up soon. And as always, please leave a review if you haven't already. If you would like to be on the podcast or if you have ideas for future episodes, please shoot me a message. I am spiritually underscore ever after on Instagram and spiritually ever after on TikTok. We will see you real soon. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season and a wonderful, wonderful new year. We have another episode coming out to you on December 27th that I'm excited to share, but I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. (laughs) So I hope that you will join me again for that. But if you don't, I hope you have a great new year and I will see you in 2023. Thank you for being here and listening. If you loved it, leave a review and or share and tag me. I would love to connect with you. I'm spiritually underscore ever after on Instagram and spiritually ever after on TikTok. See you real soon.